Welcome, welcome. We're so excited to have you guys here with us. If you would just stand as we get ready to worship, we just have one announcement tonight. There is youth hangout right after worship. Kids are up here during worship and then they'll go down too. Um, so let's just open up with a word of prayer as we get ready to praise the King above all kings. Amen. Father, we love you. Lord, we just invite you here tonight. God, I pray that you would come, that you would just abide here within us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you say where two or more are gathered, there you are, that you inhabit our praise, Lord, so we know that as we lift your name up, you're already coming down. I just pray, God, that you are glorified tonight in the name of Jesus.
just encourage you that as we sing this song and as you learn it, to let it sink in that he is on your side. And if he is for you, who can be against you? Because my God can supply all of my needs according to his riches, according to his glory. He can defeat any battle. He can overcome any circumstance because he's good, because he's holy, and because he first loved. So just let this settle in. We're excited about this song because it's powerful, because God is powerful. And the word of God is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh 
darkness where we go you were there you were love you were all together good in the weakness of our faith in the silence where we
a battle, God, it's forever. That you defeated the grave. That you first loved us. We just thank you, Lord, for who you are. And that your goodness is running after us. Just come, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, we're so glad to have you here with us tonight. If you could just go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening and kids and youth, you are dismissed. Youth hang out, heading with Eric, all right? Fifth to 12th grade can go with Eric. All the rest of the kids can check in for Kids Church downstairs, and we'll give them a minute. Live streamers, wherever you're watching from, it's good to have you. I hope blessing upon you tonight. We'll give everybody a minute to get back here and, and get settled in for service. Uh, if you're live streaming, just so you know, um, our kids hang out with us for worship on Wednesday nights and we have to dismiss them and get them checked in. So it always takes us a minute uh, to get back to you and get service going. So give us a second and we will do that. God is good, is he not? God is good, is he not? Amen, I believe that. Not just that I believe it, but I've seen it. And the goodness of God has, uh, has, has followed me even when I have not deserved it. And his faithfulness has been there for me even when I have not deserved it. That's why he is who he is. Amen? Yeah, give everybody another second here to get back up here. But if you do have something to give, you can prep that now. Uh, tithe and offering. Uh, envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around and one of the ushers will get to you with one of those. And um, as always, uh, your giving is, is uh, appreciated. And uh, let, me, let me tell you something. You guys are a faithful church. And I appreciate your faithfulness. Um, I'll, I'll just be really honest with you. I, I know a bunch of guys that are in ministry. And I've, I've come across some guys who have, or, or gals that have churches, and the churches just aren't faithful. And uh, so I, uh, I brag on you guys when I get to talk about you to other people. But you guys are faithful, and you're dedicated not only in being here, but you're serving, you're giving, and, and you guys make this church go. So I appreciate that. So let me, let me pray over your tithes and offering. Lord, we thank you. Uh, once again, to be here on Wednesday night, it's, it's that extra time during the week, Lord. We're just taking time out to be with you and to be with one another, Lord. And I thank you uh, that we're able to do that, Lord. And, and I pray as we give tonight, again, it's the reflection of who you are. It's a response to who you are. And, and Lord, you are just so good. You are so faithful. We thank you uh, for so many times when your provision has gone in front of us. As we give tonight, it's an honoring of that. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. So if you have some, you can run it down. And if not, uh, you can get your Bibles out while that's happening. So if you have your Bible tonight, Matthew, uh, let's see, chapter 18 is where we're going to go. Uh, we, we've been doing on um, Wednesday nights the last couple weeks. We're going to continue it for a little bit here. Um, I'm just calling this things you ask for. 
Uh, we did a survey a couple months ago, and I asked some questions in there, and some of you responded, a few of you uh, did the survey. And I asked for some things that maybe you'd like me to address and talk about, uh, speak about, uh, some topics. And so I'm, I'm going to cover some of those things. I'm not going to get to all of them over the next little while here on Wednesday nights. I think maybe I'll do this every year about this time uh, and just hear some things that you're interested in. So this tonight, and I think I'm going to roll into next week with this, this is a topic that I get asked about all the time. And it's a good thing, because this is a very important topic. Uh, and the topic is forgiveness. Uh, and I know, actually, Tori shared her, her testimony, her story, uh, a couple months ago, and she talked about forgiveness. And even after that, people were asking about forgiveness. And, and this is such an important topic, and I don't think we can bring it up enough. Uh, because forgiveness is extremely important to our understanding of the Christian faith and our understanding of what the kingdom of God is all about. So I've come across people who have said, I don't need any savior because I don't need forgiveness. I've not really done anything wrong. I'm living my life. I've made mistakes, but what do I need forgiven for? Well, when you deny the need for forgiveness, then you don't need a savior, then the Christian faith doesn't really work for you. You can't say you're a Christian at the same time say, but I don't need forgiven. The whole basis of, of Christianity is that I am a sinner, I have fallen short of the glory of God, and because of that, I need a savior because I can't do this whole business of forgiveness for myself. I can't earn it. I can't do enough right things. So Christianity is built on the fact that God made the world, we have fallen in sin, and there's a reconciliation with him that happens in part, it really the big crux of it is forgiveness, which we know that Jesus, the reason that he came, not only to establish the kingdom of God, but then provide the once and done sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness is the avenue to right relationship with the Father, from which all things about our faith flow from. And, but, I, but I do know that once you come to that understanding, we all like to know that there is a forgiveness from God for us for our past. Amen. And how many of you are glad for that? When, when you, when you, however it happened in your life, whether, whether you had this light bulb moment about yourself or, or, or something happened in your life that, that you came to this realization, or maybe it was, or it was sort of this long courtship with God, however he worked in your life. He could have crashed in or courted you for a while, whatever. You came to a place where you're like, I need forgiven, and then, then you're just like, oh, my goodness, and this wonderful, amazing God said he will do so. And everything behind me, he is willing not only to take away from me, but cast it away to the point that he keeps no record of it anymore. That's amazing. And, and I think we're obviously so thankful for that. But the idea of forgiveness and what forgiveness is and, and, and why it's so important to the kingdom of God, it does not stop there. And that's kind of where I want to go with this tonight. So Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15. It says, if your brother sins against you. Now, okay. Let's just be honest here. How many of you, somebody, even if you would consider them a brother or sister in the faith, has sinned against you? I could tell you some stories. Being a pastor for 29 years. I could tell you some stories. Some of them were like, okay, that, yeah, I can see that. And some of them were like, you, are you serious right now? Like, that really happened? Yep, yep. So if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Oh, yeah, okay, so uh, reconciliation is the goal of the kingdom of God. Between you and him alone. By, by the way, this is not what I'm talking about, but let's just stop there. If your brother sins against you, don't go tell everybody about it. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. If your brother sins against you, 
Don't pass aggressively, put it on your social media. I'm going to let that set in for a second. When your brother sins against you, what are you supposed to do? Go and have a conversation. Right? I am thankful that God does not broadcast my sins to the general public. Isn't that right? I'm, th- I'm thankful so much that he doesn't keep a record of what he's forgiven me of. And when I do make a mistake, he's not out there saying, hey, it's not like, hey, everybody look up here. And with a big finger in the sky, he writes, this dude, you know what he did? Boom, boom, boom. And there's this big spotlight on me. Everybody see my faults. Now, when, when your brother sins against you, go to them. Watch, it says, between you and him alone. Now, if he listens to you, you have regained your brother. Amen. But if he does not listen, take another or two along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. That's wisdom. And, and if that point, if he refuses, and it has to do with somebody here, uh, tell it to the church. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean you don't interrupt worship and say, hey, I have something to say about Margot? What it means is you come to the leadership of the church, and who's that? And then I'll get involved, and then we'll deal with it. And if, and if they refuse to listen to that, then, then you can treat them in such a way that they have severed relation, in other words, as a Gentile and a tax collector. So truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Now, now you've heard that preached about a lot of different stuff. What is Jesus talking about here when he starts talking about binding and loosing? Forgiveness. Think about that. There's power in forgiveness. Whether you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whether you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree about anything they ask, will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So why is Jesus talking about that right here? He's saying, look, if there's a problem between two brothers or sisters in the church, deal with it. Because when two or more are gathered together, good things happen in his name. And we don't want to see that separated. Do you see how that works together? Okay. Or where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. See, see that? You hear that pulled out of that and talked about a lot. Put it back in its context. Jesus says that right after he's dealing with how we regain relationship when there's a fault or a sin against one another. Because the enemy would like nothing more than separation. So there can't be the gathering in the name of Jesus where powerful things happen and his presence is with us. Amen. I should be getting a lot of amens right there. But, of course, as always happens, here comes Peter. And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And I think Peter, when he said that, he was feeling kind of super spiritual. Up to seven times? The number of, of, of the days of, of creation. And, and yeah, up to seven times? That, that sounds like a lot. And in other words, he, he wants to feel good about himself, but at the same time, he wants to justify there's a certain point that I don't have to forgive anymore. Remember, remember when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, somebody there tried to justify it, said, well, who really is my neighbor? Same kind of question. How many times do I really have to forgive somebody? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. So it's not like all of a sudden, if you want to take it for that, I can start keeping a list. I've forgiven Lori 77 times, but the 78th time, forget about it. It's over, Lori. You're done. (laughs) Jesus is just saying unlimited amount of times is the forgiveness you should have towards another person. So then Jesus often does. He tells a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That was a lot, of, a lot of dough. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold 
with his wife and his children and all that they had in payment to be made. That was one way that people could pay debt. They were sold, and, and even though they were sold into something, they earned something with their work so they would, could pay the way back out of it. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity of him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is a lot less than that he owed the master. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had that mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, here's what I know. We have to take forgiveness seriously. Seriously, because that's pretty serious. As a matter of fact, when, when Tori was talking about her story, she brought up the, the Lord's Prayer. And part of the way that Jesus teaches us to pray is, forgive me my sins or forgive my debts, as I have also forgiven those who have sinned against me or, or I've forgiven those who have debt to me. And then when he closes the prayer, he actually makes a statement. Now, if you refuse to forgive others, then, then the Heavenly Father would refuse to give you, forgive you. We have to take forgiveness seriously because the kingdom of God is bound up in the work of forgiveness. In other words, it is important because it asks whether or not you are grasping the heart of God. It begs the question, are you grasping the heart of God? In other words, the heart of God that he has in forgiveness for others, are you grasping his heart in application in how you were living your life? That's an important question. See, the heart of God to forgive in many ways is much larger than we can understand and comprehend, yet we are to comprehend that he forgives incredibly. Isn't that right? You can't comprehend it, but you must understand you can't comprehend it. That's how great it is. And when you start to understand that and it begins to seep into your mind and get down in your spirit, it understands that forgiveness is at the heart of what it means to be like God. And we must learn to do so. And Jesus said at the end of the parable, learning how to forgive from your heart. In other words, a conscious decision, not necessarily emotional, but intentional. And, and because it comes from the seat of who you are, it will affect all of you. Now, this is not easy, obviously. But here's what I found. I, I think... I think when we see certain things, we're going to talk a little bit more, not about necessarily forgiveness, but about things that Jesus said on Sunday when we, we're going to continue shelter uh, from the storm. I think sometimes when we see things that Jesus has said, and immediately we recognize this is hard. Because we know it's hard, we often immediately allow ourselves some room for excuse. Isn't that right? And we have reasons why it's hard and reasons why I don't really need to maybe go all the way with this, at least right now, because it's hard. But Jesus doesn't leave us 
the leeway to make excuse for the things that he says. Because let me tell you something about the things that Jesus said. We'll talk a little bit more about, more about this on Sunday. The things that Jesus said, if they don't challenge you, you're missing it. If you read uh, the, the Gospels and you read the Scriptures and you're never challenged or you never see something that goes, wow, that is entirely opposite of the way I am, or, or, or th there's nothing here that I think is, is going to be necessarily hard to live, you're missing a lot of what's going on. Because the Christian faith, what we're called to live, will challenge you on a lot of levels. And the reason that people like to hear about forgiveness is because they struggle with the concept of living this out. Because it's not easy. Because everybody's has had something happen to you, some of you multiple things in your life that have absolutely positively hurt you. Things that were not fair. And when we are called as a people because we begin to grasp the heart of God and understand that the kingdom of God does not happen without forgiveness. And we're called to come in and you see a hard saying like, look, you have to forgive as you have been forgiven or guess what you don't get? You see that and you go, oh my goodness. And you go, but, but wait a second. What about this? Because that was hard. And I'm still hurt, and I'm still burned. And it's, it's, it's not even so much that I'm still hurt. I still have an open wound because of that. And you want me to just turn around and forgive? Really? And almost like we, we know we can't say it, but we want to say, you just don't get it. That's what we want to do, but we won't because we know better, but that's what we're thinking. And he knows it anyways. How many know what I'm talking about? It's hard. But yet Jesus is saying, look, this is ultimately about you grasping the heart of the Father. You grasp it, and you begin to understand it. If you try to forgive people without grasping the heart of God, you won't get it. Because it's only when you begin to grab hold of what you can't comprehend, and that's this one incredible, amazing forgiveness that he has, until you begin to grab hold of it, you'll never be able to uh, replicate it in your life. Everybody in the church can say the Christian thing, well, yeah, I want to be like God. Well, sure, I want to be Christ-like, right? We, we can say that. Rubber meets the road, this is what God is like. C.S. Lewis, some of you guys know who he is. He said, forgive the inexcusable because God forgave the inexcusable in you. Forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So it's not even uh, that I should forgive, but, but to learn the heart of God, to learn this unlimited forgiveness that mirrors who he is. Because this is really easy to say this. You've gone to God a lot. And he's never shut the door. He's never turned you away. I'm, I'm going to guess for a lot of you, it's been the same thing over and over again. Right? To grasp his heart and say, God, why are you that way? God, God how is that possible? God is, and, and there's nothing that, that is, it's not like there's grades that we like to Thin on a grade scale, but God doesn't. It's not like God will forgive a 3 out of 10, but if you hit an 8 out of 10, it's questionable. Whatever you consider an 8 out of 10 sin. That if you come to him, even if it's the 78th time, he forgives you and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. 
ever sing. That's the only reason you can stand in him. It's not possible otherwise. And to start to, to, in other words, to contemplate on the nature of God as to why he would be that way, I would encourage you to do so because it would help your heart. You'll start to see things with new eyes. And you'll start to see what has happened to you with a different perspective. And I'm not saying it minimizes the impact. It doesn't minimize the impact, but you start to see it differently. You see what I'm getting at? And that opens you up to start to have, have a nature that is now starting to be reflective of the nature of God when it comes to this. Because true freedom is never found when you're holding grudge, holding things against somebody, True freedom is never found when you're harboring what has happened to you. It's not, it will never be fully found. You've got to understand that when we are called to do things in obedience to God, it's never just about obeying. There's always something that comes with it that you may not get at the moment. When you start to obey, then you start to see the why behind the what. It's about freedom for you, but guess what? Because the kingdom of God involves reconciliation, it may involve freedom for the other person too. Amen. And that's very important. Because some of us don't want them to have that freedom because they hurt you. But that's the very thing that God gives you in forgiveness. It's freedom. He forgives you of your sin, and then he sets you free from it. You see the whole freedom part of it? It allows you to have new life. That's ultimately what forgiveness is about. But because somebody hurt us, we often don't want them to have that freedom. We want them to pay. But see, if there needs to be something there, forgiveness puts the burden on God to see that happen. Then he gets to do in his wisdom what needs to be done. Because he knows better than you anyhow. Now, if it involves the, the court system of, of uh, yeah, well, certainly things can go that way too. But ultimately, you're giving God the right to be the judge. And that's important because he's just smarter than you are. Isn't that right? And a lot of times, our reactions, we, we want, we want a, a repaying that multiplies. Which is why originally, when God starts putting things in motion, he says, look, look, eye for an eye, that's it, no escalation. That's why. He's teaching right there. Eye for an eye, but that's it. But then when Jesus comes, he says, okay, I know that was the law. I'm going to take it a step further because I want you to really catch the heart. It, it was said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, someone smacks you in the head, turn the other cheek. You say, how is that possible? Start to learn the heart of God. And when you start to grasp the heart of God, it starts to reflect in your life. You see what I'm getting at? You have to think about it in that way, or you'll never get there. Because you always have a right. I have a right to feel the way I feel. We always have a right. When you start to follow Jesus, do you realize you give all your rights to him? And now he tells you, okay, now I'm going to tell you how you should be. That's the kingdom. Of, okay, so the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God. Where is the kingdom of God? In you. The kingdom of God is no longer geographical borders like the promised land of the Israelites. That went away. The kingdom of God is within you. How do you enter into the kingdom of God? Salvation, right? 
Now you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, just like you're a citizen of the United States of America. If you're a citizen of the United States of America, what's expected of you is you live by the laws of the nation, right? But if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, whose laws do you live by in those regards? His. And he takes the rights of your flesh, now he gives you the way of the kingdom. And part of it is forgiveness, that we learn how to forgive those who have sinned against us. It's vital to how it really works. So, can you imagine coming to a place in life, still bearing the scars of life, but not harboring the anger and the grudges and the offense because of those scars. When, when Jesus was raised from the dead, did he still bear, bear the scars of his crucifixion? He, they didn't go away with his new body, but he did not carry with it the offense of it. He left it go at the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's the heart of the kingdom of God right there. Let me say something real fast. There, there's something that's been coming up a lot over the last three or four years. It's called church hurt. Have you ever heard that term, church hurt? Okay. It's true. It's real. There's been church hurt. People hurt by the church, somebody in the church or, or leadership in the church. They've experienced church hurt of, of some point. Um, don't let church hurt separates you from the church. Because when a brother sins against you, you go to your brother and we start the process of working it out. That's the heart of God. And I'm not minimizing things. I, I'm, I've been doing this so long, I guarantee you there's somebody that's attended my church or been in my ministry that, that I did something they probably would say, I didn't like that. That bugged me. I promise you, it's out there. I willingly don't know that. But if, if they've been offended at me for years, they should have come to me. And we would have worked it out. Because I'm about the kingdom of God. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm enough about that that I would have worked it out. I would have apologized. You see what I'm getting at? Because that's more important to me than allowing offense to harbor. You see how the enemy would like to use that kind of stuff? Bring separation, bring division, pull people away. Over more often, more often than not, things that could have been worked out. And sometimes people need to separate and do something else. I get it. But more often than not, things could be worked out. But the enemy likes to use that stuff. Because where two or three are gathered together, unified in his name, he's with us. And the devil wants to disrupt it. Amen? So, so forgive us. Well, I'm going to talk some more about this next week. But I, I want you to start, if you struggle, let's put it this way, if you struggle in forgiving somebody, or a group of people. I want you to take a step back and start to contemplate the heart of God and the forgiveness of God. Start there. Because I believe the more you begin to, I want to say, know him, open yourself up to, to the, the incredible forgiveness of God, it will start to show you some things. It'll start to change some, maybe some ways you think about things or perceive things. And God will work on your heart so you can forgive from your heart as he's asking you to. Because I know something. He knows it's hard too. 
He knows it's hard, too. He knows us. He made us. He knows just how we work. But even though he knows it's hard, he's still asking of us. And that's, that's the kicker right there. <laughs> he knows it's hard, but he's still asking. So I know when it comes to the kingdom of God, anything that is hard that he asks of you and he knows it's hard, he'll help you. That's why you contemplate him. And allow, again, that, that amazing, I would say, attribute of God. He is who God is. Begin to, to change you. So you get to that place where it's not just, yeah, I forgave him, mechanical, but it, it really takes root in you. And you, you start to find freedom. Amen? I heard something that, I, for a long time, I was, and I don't know why I was thinking about it so much, but somebody said this, and I really just, just bounced around for a long time. Do, do I really think that? I'm not sure I'm all the way, but I think it's on the right road. That, that when we get to the end of things, we're going to look back at our life and be able to say, nothing bad has happened to me. But that is the perspective of the forgiveness and the work of God and the grace in your life based on what has happened to you. That even the things that, that absolutely positively affected you, God, God can do things with that in such a way that ultimately nothing bad has happened to me because what God has done with that. Amen. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I, I really rolled that around in my brain for, I would say, two or three years when I heard I thought, let me think about that. The Bible doesn't really say it, but I see the working of the kingdom in that statement, if you know what I'm saying? So I'm drawing from different things in the scriptures. I'm going, wow. I would like to be able to end my life, my last breath, or when Jesus comes back to be catched to me before I know it, um, to look back and say, you know what? Nothing bad has happened to me. Just look what God has done. Amen? That can only happen when you learn forgiveness. All right? Okay, I'm going to stop there. We'll pick this up again next week, talk about this a little bit more. Let's work on this. Amen? All right, so how we're going to close tonight is, I know Lori's heading on a trip this weekend, and she asked for prayer before she goes. So I'm going to ask Lori to come down. Live streamers, good to see you. We'll see you uh, Sunday morning. But how about we have all the ladies come down. We're going to pray for Lori as, as, as she, she goes. And... Um,